Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. Well, um, I, am, I am really honored to be here and to speak to you. I love speaking to college students. Um, college was not what I thought it was going to be. Um, anyone identify with that yet? <laughs> and I just went through major transformation. Um, I showed up at college knowing who I was going to marry and what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And within six months, it all fell apart. And God just completely put it back together in a way I um, didn't really approve of at the time. I'm okay. I'm on board with it now, many years later. But uh, these, these are such transformative years for you. And so I just want to tell you, hang in there and lean in to places like this, spaces like this, um, and get everything you can can from your time here. Well, um, I want to, let me just open up a prayer for a moment and just, um, God, I pray for every heart here, every person. Meet them where they're at tonight. And Lord, the, the prayer I've been praying all day is, may those who have ears hear you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I, I think... And this is always the way it is whenever you're, you share from the word or speak. Some people are going to get it, some people aren't, and that's okay. You just go in knowing that. But I, I do think there are some of you that God is specifically speaking this message to, and it's going to feel very personal. And it's because he wants it to be personal. And there's some decisions that need to be made here tonight. And so we're going to be going into a passage here in a moment in Mark 14. But let me just start by saying that the older I get, the more things cost. And I'm not talking about eggs and milk, though those are costing quite a bit these days. But I'm talking about the cost of living for Christ. This was something from an early age I heard about. You know, oh, it costs to follow Jesus, the cost of discipleship. And it's true, but I had no idea that it gets even more costly the older we get. I, for some reason, thought it was going to get easier. And I think what, ha- what happens is it's the, the shorter amount of time that you have left, it's a greater cost. So as you get older, and I know right now you don't see yourself being as old as, as me or Pete, right? But you'll get there. Just hang in there. And so as you grow older, you start to realize how important time is, how important family is, how important money is, especially when retirement is like 20 years away. And you start to realize, oh, I didn't do anything about that the last 20 years. It it all starts to um, just equal a lot. You realize... Man, the, the final years here, the next you know, few decades, they're going to be very costly. And so I've been thinking a lot about this lately, just the cost of following Jesus. And I've been thinking about it 
especially because as I'm, I'm growing older and I'm thinking about those things, but five months ago, I walked into work, normal day, and then something happened and I left not knowing if I would even be here by the end of the year. Everything just changed in a moment and I, I won't go into what happened, but everything Everything just went up in the air. I've been here for nine years. I moved here um, nine years ago. Tonight, I entered Virginia. And yes, thank you. It's my anniversary. And so here I am nine years later, and I thought, man, in, the, in fact, I was going into the beginning of the year thinking, you know, this is, this is going well. I, I could be here 10 more years. Um, you know, I don't think there's a change coming. And then all of a sudden everything explodes and there could be a change. There could be a change within the, you know, the next few months. And so I find myself going, man, this is, this is costly. And I look back and I think about my 23-year-old self who got on a plane and she moved to Alaska and it was all cute and exciting. I loved it. But then at 29, I got on the plane and I moved to Missouri, started all over, again, not knowing anyone. That was exciting. At 37, it was exciting again when I, when I packed my car and I drove here over a couple days to take a position at, at the church that I'm at now. And now I'm standing here at 47, and I'm like, God, I don't want to start over. I've got relationships. I'm rooted. I didn't care as much about that at 23 as I do now at 47. Like, you guys know how hard it is to come up with friends. You guys, it's even harder at 47. <laughs> like, you value those friendships that you've been with for years and years, and they're just right down the road. And I'm like, man, I have to leave my best friend. We travel the world together. Am I going to have to start over? Am I going to have to start over with, again, I'll be honest, I, I like my paycheck right now. <laughs> I mean, this is real stuff, right? I'm like, God, this is costly. What if I have to start over? And I just find myself wanting to hold on to things so tightly to secure myself because I know the cost is high, and I've got the, my family going, well, well, Stephanie, you can just stay where you're at, but there's so many reasons I know where God's calling me right now, at least to another level of leadership, and I don't know if that can be here or somewhere else, but I'm like, I, I've got to go wherever he takes me, wherever he calls me. And so I want to look here at a story in Mark 14, and... This story is really speaking to me right now. In fact, I was, I've been in Mark here these last few weeks, and I was speaking from Mark 12 a couple weeks ago. And so going on and reading here in Mark 14, um, you have Jesus who um, is with his disciples. It's a few days away from the Passover, and the Passover is the celebration of when God rescued when he freed his his people the Israelites from um, the bondage in Egypt 
And so pilgrims would come to Jerusalem to celebrate this Passover. So Jerusalem is busy. People are coming into the streets and staying for days. And and Jesus is there with his own disciples. And they're staying in a suburb at night called Bethany. And I love what Mark does here. Mark is very strategic about how he places the story. He tells us, right before we go into verse 3, that once again, that the leaders are really upset with him, and now they're plotting to kill him. We're getting close to the death of Jesus here, and there's a plot to kill him. And then Mark puts his story in, and then... he tells us about how one of Jesus's own disciples, one of the 12, Judas, is going to betray. He decides to betray Jesus. And so things aren't looking good, but in the midst of that, here's what we read. As Jesus is in Bethany around a table with his friends, enjoying food and laughing, says, while he was in Bethany, this is in verse 3, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. They rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So they're gathered around a table and they're sharing a meal together and this woman walks in And in the language, you understand the original language. She wasn't invited into this dinner. She just came in. And she comes up to Jesus, who would have been the guest of honor, and she pours an extravagant amount of perfume on Jesus, on his head. Now, this perfume is a very well-known Indian perfume. It has a very strong fragrance. And it says here in our text, she had enough that was worth just probably over a year's wages. You guys, this was her emergency fund. And I'm familiar with those because I've been really working on my emergency fund because of I don't know what's going to come in the next year. And so... I have saved about a year's worth of expenses. I've worked hard. I've been on Amazon less, okay? I can't imagine taking that money and just giving it away. This was a year's worth of wages. Now think about this, she's a woman 
who probably didn't just have the ability to earn a whole lot of a year's wages. And so most scholars actually think this is probably an inheritance that she had from her family because that would have been um, somewhat common then that it was like an heirloom. The family passed this on and it's there for financial security for you to sell in times of desperate need. So she's using all of her social security as an act of devotion. And the text says here that she actually breaks the vessel. And it literally means she shatters it. So there is no more using this vessel to put more perfume in it. She knew she wasn't going to use it again. She went in intending to save nothing, to use everything. And she wanted to get every drop out, so she broke it. She shattered it so everything could go on Jesus. So she pours this perfume on his head. She's anointing him. And and at this time, this would have been normal for like cosmetic purposes, um, even for romantic um, gestures, and also for burial rites. And Jesus actually affirms, as I read, he affirms that this is why she did it. She did it to prepare him for his burial. So if you've read some of the text up to this point, you know Jesus was trying to make it plain to his disciples that he was going away, that death was coming. But they didn't seem to understand what he was saying. But, but somehow this woman got it. She knew, and she was preparing him. This is a very prophetic act. Jesus was getting ready to give up his earthly life so everyone could have eternal life. And she, in response, gives up her security of the future. Like she knows he's going to die. I mean, I would be holding on. You guys, I was a stingy kid, and I, and I still have a tendency to be stingy. But the Lord is working on me. He has over the years. But man, if I, if I knew, if I were in her shoes and I knew he's going to die, I wouldn't go give my entire financial security and dump it on his head. But he was everything to her. And then what happens? People object to her extravagance. It seems like a waste. There's a better thing to do than waste something of great worth. And that's what the men in the room start to push back on her for. Like, what what are you thinking? At least sell it. At least sell it and go give the money to the poor. And this was a tradition during the Passover. People came with offerings and to give to the poor. So if she really wanted to get rid of it, they're like, why not get money and go help the poor? But notice what that's that's saying. It's saying the poor are worth it, but not Jesus. He's not worth 
that gift that you just gave him. And I, I get it. I mean, once he takes a bath, the fragrance will disappear. It'll wash off. It'll just be gone. I get where their eyes thought, this is an absolute waste. They didn't get the worth of Jesus, but she did. She knew what he was worth. I want to I tell you something. Um, some of you, some of you have given a lot over to God to serve him. Some of you are contemplating giving a lot over to God, maybe years of your life, maybe your career, maybe taking a career that will pay less. But I want to tell you there's going to always be objectors to your extravagant devotion. So if you're waiting for everyone to get on board with your decision, you need to know they're not going to. There's going to always be people who are going to say, listen, your talent, your talent is too great to waste on the mission field. You are gifted. You are talented. You have something to offer the business world. You have something to offer the medical field. And that's great if that's where God sends you. But it's not a waste if he sends you to the mission field. Or if he sends you to the mission field to, do, to, to serve as a health provider, but yet you're not making the money you would make here. That's the type, people will say that. It's too great, this is a waste. You could have chosen a better career to make more money. Or how about this one? You do that with your life. You go and you give of yourself like that. You're going to pass up the opportunity for marriage and a family. That's too great of a cost. Don't do it. Or how about, I see this one, I've seen this one a few times. Giving away half your income to a ministry or missionary will take away from your personal retirement and the inheritance that you leave your family. These are real decisions that we often make. I know people who said, I'm going to live on 50%, 30%, and they can have much nicer, nicer houses and cars and everything. But they say, no, God, God wants me to be pouring into these people, to this ministry, to these missionaries. There's going to always be people there saying, but what about you? What about you? Let me tell you something. God will take care of you. God will show up. He will be faithful. So this has become perhaps some of my favorite verses in all of scripture. Jesus defends her and he says, leave her alone. <laughs> leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? They're a bunch of bullies. I love this. Jesus is calling them out. And he's saying, stop it. What she's doing is beautiful. Who are you to judge what she should do with her perfume? 
Why pick on her because she's not doing what you want her to do with it? Leave her alone. You know, we've got to be very careful about judging what people are giving, not giving, and how much they're giving. I found myself at a, a table here recently where there's a lot of people in vocational ministry, missionaries, pastors, and the talk turned very negative. And it was almost like a comparing of who has paid the most. And a comment was made that I don't even want to hear that that's a price, that that's cost them anything. Because until I see this, it won't cost them anything. Oh, who are you? We can't always see what it has cost people. This is so dangerous. You know, we were um, at our church, we do an annual generosity giving, and we just did this the last couple weeks. And going into it, what we do, we live off of 51 weeks of the year. We take one week of all our giving, all the tithes and offerings and everything that comes in that day, and we just go and we give it. Um, to various missionaries and ministries and projects. Well, this was the sixth year that we did it. And I had a slide come up that, that tallied how much we'd given over six years. And it was a lot. It was $1.4 And everyone's like, yay, look at that. That's amazing. And if they had streamers, they'd be throwing streamers. I mean, it was an exciting moment. And I'm like, wow. Like, I actually hadn't seen the number until they pulled it up. And I went and I sat back down. And I just started thinking. And I, I really sense God say something to me. He said, you see the amount, but not the value. I see what it truly costs people for that number. And the value is so much more than the amount. You see, I, I think it's great to celebrate, and we need to put things like that up, but I don't see the fact that some people ate rice and beans one whole month so they could give toward that annual generosity week. I don't see that there's certain things they've taken off their budget so they can support certain missionaries. I don't see that, but when God sees the number, that's what he sees. He sees the value. And so that's what Jesus is seeing here in, the, in this story. Um, he's seeing the value that she's bringing. But the disciples and the others at the table, they're just seeing the amount and the waste there. And this reminded me, um, I spoke a few weeks ago on the widow at the temple of when Jesus is just, he's just sitting and watching people give in the offering. (laughs) And he's sitting there with his disciples and he sees this widow come up and she has nothing, just a couple coins that are basically worth nothing. And she puts the coins in. And all these other people are putting large amounts of money in. And he turns to his his disciples and he said, she's given far more than they have. They're like, what do you mean? Look how much they're giving. And he says, she's given all she has out of her need. They are giving out of their excess. It hasn't cost them anything. They just happen to have some extra money, so they're throwing it in. Those are the things that God sees. 
He sees the value, not the amount. Jesus says here in this text, she did what she could. And it cost her a secure earthly future. He saw that value. She did what she could. In other words, just like that widow, she gave it all. She gave everything that she has. And then he affirms it. He says, this is a beautiful thing. A bunch of losers. What are, you, what are you yelling at her for? This is beautiful. She's giving up her financial security. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's what I'd be saying. But Jesus is seeing something so much more. And he's like, this is beautiful, you guys. Look at the value of this. And it's her saying, I am wholly devoted to you, Jesus. My future is yours. And she didn't know what was to come, except she knew a burial was coming. And but yet she still trusted. I know you're going away, but my future is yours. So she's rooting herself in him and not the world's system of security. It's easy to say, but you guys, this is hard to do. When you get out, and I, I'm just, I was sitting here listening. When you guys get out of college, it sounds like you're in prison. When you get out, <laughs> um, you, you, man, I heard you guys talking about like what your majors are and what you're going to do. And I'm like, oh man, I can never get in this school. What in the world? Like, you guys are, you're going to go into some careers where you can make some real money. You can do that. And you, and you can get into this system of securing everything for yourself. But remember, it's Christ alone. It's Christ alone that we are to root ourselves in. Listen, money, money there is good. But when you turn to love it and put your security in it, that's not it. I want you to, when you are tempted in the years to come, to start rooting yourself in its security, I want you to remember this woman who said, no, Jesus is going to be my security. She recognizes his worth when others in the room don't. And then Jesus reminds them. This sounds bad the way he says it. I mean, I might as well say it because he... He's like, the poor are going to be with you always. And his, his point was not forget the poor because this was embedded in, in God's people. They were to help the poor. It was everywhere. But his focus here is the fact that his time is limited. His time is limited, which means her time to give to him is limited. And so she pours the perfume on him saying, my future is in you. You guys, your time is limited. And I know it doesn't feel like it right now, but it is. Some of you get this because you've experienced, you've experienced loss in your life. You know how quickly death can come. Your time is limited. And this is why Jesus gave the ultimate extravagant act of his life 
because he knows our time is limited, just like his was. But he knows, listen, I want you to have all eternity. I want you to have all of eternity with me. But this side of eternity, it's limited. You ever think about the fact Jesus gave up time on earth to lay down his life for us. He gave up time with his family. He gave up time with his friends. We don't often think about that. He, he had relationships like we do. Just like I, I'm grieving the possibility of maybe having to move again, Jesus was grieving as he was going to the cross. He was grieving the fact that, man, I'm going to have to leave my, my, my friends, my family. As the eldest son, he had responsibilities in his culture. They were very real. This is why his brothers were upset with him when he starts acting crazy because he's not defending himself. He's got responsibilities. But what he does is he, he takes care of his family the best he can. But he's like, I got to be about my father's agenda more than my culture's agenda. And so he completely gives himself over. And so there's somehow this woman knew the significance of this, and she turns over her future to him. Discipleship is costly. You've, you've heard it. Jesus said, count the cost before following me. This is why um, I, I don't do well with big emotional like altar calls because I just want to tell people, go count the cost. I'll be here. I'll meet you here when you're, when you're ready and we can talk through it. We can pray through it. But you need to go count the cost. And I used to think that's a one-time thing, but I'm realizing I've had to count the cost over and over again. Just like I'm looking at this now, counting the cost of what's it going to be to follow Jesus into the next 20 years? Because it's very different than the last 20 years. What's the cost? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, German theologian, died at a very young age. I think about 40. He was executed. He says, when Jesus calls us, he calls us to come and die. That's, that's the ultimate price. You come and you die. And I look at it as the Christian life is a perpetual letting go of all we have been, all we are, and all we think we will ever be. We're just slowly releasing more and more. But once again, I'm realizing it's not getting easier the older I get. But I've said yes to following him. I ran into a, um, a quote by C.S. Lewis. Have any C.S. Lewis lovers here? <laughs> okay. And this is on giving. <clears throat> and I think it ties in a bit um, with this. But this is from Mere Christianity. Because the question is often, like, how much? How much do I have to give? 
You know, especially when it comes to finances. You guys, preaching on finances in the church is hard, let me tell you. But C.S. Lewis helped me do it here a few weeks ago. He says, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc. is up to the standard common among those with with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. It's keeping up with your neighbors. If our giving does not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our commitment to giving excludes them. Think about that. There are... There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot because our commitment to giving excludes them. When's the last time you said, no, I, I can't do that because I'm committed to financially give here or I'm committed to give my time or my energy here or here for the sake of, of the kingdom of God? So Jesus tells everyone that her act is going to be remembered as the gospel is spread throughout the world. So here we are, over 2,000 years later, and we're talking about this woman. Mark doesn't even give us her name. But then there's Judas. His act is also remembered, the act of betrayal. You know, what what stands out to me is he's one of the 12. Like, he's one of the big guns. He once counted the cost, and he said, I'm in. I'm going to follow you. But at some point along the way, he decided, this isn't worth the cost. And he gets greedy. And he goes, and he sells Jesus out for just a few weeks' worth of work. Not even a year's worth. So he received far less for giving up Jesus than this woman gave up for Jesus. What about you? What is he calling you to give up? And I really think for some of you, you know there's a certain path he's calling you down. And you know it's not going to go well with some people in your life. It may not go well with the people who are paying for your school bill. For your friends. You may be hearing everyone's opinion. Some of you, it's, it's something that's much smaller right now that God's just teaching you of giving to yourself. This is how he had to help me as I was really stingy. Stephanie, just, just give to this missionary. $25 a month. Say no to this Starbucks. Say no to this. It could just be something that small. And what you'll find is... It'll grow on you. And you'll want to give more and more. 
And the more he asks of you, the easier it's going to be. So it's okay if tonight you're just sitting here and there's just something that seems really small and insignificant. It's not. Listen, God knows you value your Starbucks. He does. And he wants you to have that every now and then. (laughs) But he may have something more for you to invest in. And you think, well, it's just Starbucks. Yeah, but he, he sees the value. So just start with wherever he's calling you. But be willing, as life goes on, to give more and more out to him, to more of yourself, more of your time, more of your energy, more of your security, and just put it in him. Let's stand and pray. Just want to invite you to close your eyes. Just close your eyes for a moment and just focus on on Jesus. Just let him search your heart. Is there something he's asking of you? That you've held on to and that you've said no to? Jesus wants to introduce you to this woman tonight who just freely came and said, Jesus, take it all. He doesn't want it all because he's selfish or wants you to have a bad life. He wants to pull you into a bigger story than your own little world. Stop trying to pull him into your story. He's trying to pull you into a bigger one. So, Lord, I pray for every person here. God, they're so young. And I pray that they have many years ahead of them. But Lord, I I pray that those years are completely devoted to you. So Lord, transform them as you've transformed my own life and continue to. Pry their hands open from what it is they think they have to have. Lord, may they freely give to you. And God, I specifically pray for people who are here who just have a hard time trusting. Lord, may they come to know you so intimately that they trust you more than anyone. So Lord, have your way in their lives. Lord, I pray you will surround them with men and women who can pour into their lives and speak truth. And may they be able to receive that truth and to walk out the life of a true disciple of Jesus. Amen.
So as Stephanie spoke, I don't know what cost came to your mind. Perhaps it was just a small step as she talked about that the Lord is asking you to take a step of obedience that will be costly, but it's just a small step. Perhaps it's a really large step and it's kind of freaking you out. But whatever it is or anywhere in between, let me just simply say this. This passage rings out so clearly. He is worth it. He's worth it. He's worthy. It will be a beautiful thing, whatever it is. And we don't have any agenda. We just want his agenda, whatever his agenda is. That's all we want. That's all he wants. And so, Lord, tonight, would you give us the grace to truly take the posture of your worthiness, that you're worth whatever small step is being asked. Or if for some in here, there's a large step being asked. Lord, give them the grace to take it. Lord, would you imprint in our hearts what was imprinted in that woman's heart, that you are worthy, that you are worth it. And may we live in response to that, consistent with that, and proclaim your worthiness in the big and in the small and everything in between. Lord, give us your grace and your spirit's power to that end. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you thank Dr. Nance for coming and sharing with us tonight? Thank you, Stephanie. From Oklahoma, from Oklahoma. I don't know what happened with that, but... Well, it has been good to be together as God's people tonight. So let's have the benediction. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May be gracious to you and turn his countenance towards you. And may he give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's have a great week following Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com. 